Welcome to No Compromise, where faith and reason fuse in conversation. Hello, Johnny. Hello, everyone. Hello, my love. All right, so today we're going to discuss books 7 and 8 of Paradise Lost. Right. Uh, we combine them because it talks about the creation. 7 talks about the creation of the world, and 8 talks about the creation of Adam and Eve. Correct. Okay, so you talked about 7 and 8 on Monday with the Christian Atheist. And, and, and interestingly enough, we called it on Monday, Evil Absent. Because there's no evil in these two books. Right. And when evil is absent, good rules. Right. And because God created everything good. Mm-hmm. And that's actually pretty good because that's consonant with our notion that we've gone over and over again in the Christian atheists, the idea of fundamental faith, mm-hmm. that God created the world good and that right. everything around us is fundamentally good right. unless twisted by right. evil. In Proverbs, it says, when wicked rules, the people groan. When the wicked are not in control, the people rejoice. Right. So Milton opens book seven again by calling on the muse, who we talked about earlier as being God's Holy Spirit in previous books. But in this time, Milton calls on Urania. Right. And Urania is the muse of astronomy from the Greek muses, one of the nine muses. And astronomy plays a big role in this poem. He talks about astronomy a lot. A lot, because we talk about the nature of the universe and the heavenly bodies. And at and, the and same I guess, time, I mean, Milton had met Galileo, and, and at that time, astronomy was probably big talk, right? Right. Big sort talk like, at the time. Yeah, sort of like artificial science was intelligence. Science being born. <laughs> yeah. Today. This, the artificial intelligence of the day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there was a lot of, of the birth of science at this time. Right. And the understanding of the natural world and of the, uh, of the cosmic world was actually beginning to come into play. Yeah, so you can just imagine what it must have been like for Milton, the right. excitement that right. was going around. Yeah, for those of us who love science mm-hmm. in this day, it was very much like that, I think, for Milton, yeah. who was a fan of the scientific enterprise, right. for sure. So he asked the muse to protect him from what's not true. And I'm sure at that time, there was a lot of false stuff going around, right? Right, and he wanted... Like the Christian atheist says mm-hmm. all the time, I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. Right. And I think Milton would definitely have been on board with that. Right. And but finding that, out what truth is, yeah. is the difficult process of really right. sorting out and, the scientific process. And this was the very beginning of the space age. Right. And so, yeah, that there would have been a lot of false things going around at the same time. And of course, the muse of astronomy is simply the name, he says. The meaning, not the name, I call. And so he's looking for the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit to lead him now from the heavenly realms, which Mm -hmm. we've dealt with last time, to now the more earthly Earthly. realms that we're going to be dealing with in these two books, books seven and eight. Right, and he returns to Eden. Milton actually says, half yet remains unsung. And this is like the midpoint of the poem, right? Books six, seven, mm-hmm. right around the midpoint. Sort of like a calming. Right. The eye of the storm mm-hmm. or in the middle. And I think there's some interesting things to be said here in the beginning of book seven. In particular, at line 30, he says to the muse, Still govern thou my song, Urania, and fit audience find, though few. 
And I can't help thinking of the Christian atheist Mm -hmm. and how we've been doing this for three years now. Mm -hmm. And those of our listeners who have been faithful and have listened to us are indeed few. Right, but true. they are a fit audience, uh-huh. and there's no doubt about it that the things that we do are rather difficult, rather abstruse, mm-hmm. and call for deep intellectual thought. And there aren't a lot of people who are up to the task, no. but those who are are those that we are seeking, mm-hmm. and we're hoping that this message spreads. Yep, yep. Right? And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons we put out our book. Right. Recently. And one of the reasons why we tried to simplify at the beginning of the year. Right. Simplify and John Wise. Exactly. <laughs> one of the reasons we launched this whole No Compromise sub-podcast, because we wanted to simplify the, the difficulties and try to spread them out to a larger audience that can understand and then spread the word to others. And hopefully we can through a positive mm-hmm. infection, right? Yeah. Good gone viral. Right. Make a difference in this world right. for the kingdom of Christ. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's really good. Okay. So returning to book seven, Milton, mm-hmm. as I said, returns to Eden and Adam is extremely curious about everything that he hadn't seen before he had been created. Right. He doesn't know about. And he wants more information from Raphael. But what happened before I was created? And And I think it's very important to note that Raphael is extremely open Mm -hmm. to the questions that Adam proposes to him. There is nothing wrong with human curiosity. Right, but God encourages it. But Raphael says there's nothing wrong with wanting to know this. Right, but it must be tempered. Right, Right. that there are boundaries to what can be known. And that we should be willing to accept those boundaries. And so you're at the beginning of the boom in astronomy. You're Milton. You're at the beginning of all of of science, of astronomical science. And you want to know all of this knowledge about space. So imagine what it was like for Milton at that time. Yeah. And I'd just like to read. Because the world was changing rapidly for Milton. Right. Very so rapidly. All of yep. this, I think all of this is kind of like for him, maybe there was a lot of discussion about that boundaries and science. Right. And, you know, there was talk about going beyond what the boundaries should be. Maybe there was arguments. I don't know, back in Milton's time. Right. There was but it certainly seems like a lot of upheaval. Something was going on for right. him to write it in this poem. And Milton was clearly deeply fascinated mm-hmm. by questions of astronomy. Right. So let me actually pick up with what the text says. Whence Adam repealed the doubts that in his heart arose, and now led on, yet sinless, with desire to know what nearer might concern him, how this world of heaven and earth conspicuous first began. Mm -hmm. And so Raphael was dispensed by God to give Adam wisdom, Mm -hmm. to give Adam knowledge. So there's revelation here, but there's also encouragement to seek out to understand the world that God has given to us, which is the very essence of the scientific enterprise. And that's probably the best lesson you can get from book seven. Right. So curiosity, God Mm -hmm. says, is good. Right. But we must be careful not to allow it to drive us beyond curiosity Mm -hmm. to things that are damaging. To where Satan got to. To the imaginations that lead us to transgress the boundaries that God's put in place, the natural world. Yeah. 
Okay, so basically Raphael now tells Adam his own story, which is basically the creation story that you find in Genesis, except here it's told much more dramatically. I mean, he tells how the sun created With greater detail. Yeah, yeah, more imagination. He tells how the sun created the earth out of chaos, how God spoke all things into being. What would you like to say about the rest of Book 7? I mean, if the listener wants to hear a dramatic telling of the creation story. Yeah, it's worth listening Yeah, Book 7, yeah, that's where you would want to go. And reading it, for sure. Yeah. Um, But we don't have a lot to say about this because it's actually repeating what the Bible says. Right. And in a way, also recounting the sort of scientific evidence that we've gotten about the nature of reality. Right, exactly. Um, So let me just read a few lines here. What are some of the lines you want to read? Raphael says to Adam, this also thy request, with caution asked, obtain. So he's willing to give these answers. To answer thy desire of knowledge within bounds, beyond abstain to ask. Because, he says, there are some things to none communicable in earth or heaven. Enough is left besides to search and know. Mm -hmm. And there's the realm of science. God says, I've given this world to you. It speaks of me. Search it. Try to understand it. And he doesn't in any way forbid us to do that. Mm -hmm. He encourages it, I think, at every level. Mm In Milton's Paradise Lost, it's very clear that the curiosity of man is a good thing, right. but that it must be careful not to transgress the boundaries that God has put in place. That is the nature itself of reality that he's given to us. Right. Sort of like as a parent with your child. Right. You want them to be curious, but they need to stay within that boundary. Right. So one of the first things that happens in the creation narrative is let there be light, Mm -hmm. said God, and forthwith light ethereal, first of things, quintessence pure, sprung from the deep. And this is actually something that plays very well with Mm -hmm. the nature of science as we've understand the nature of the world. Light was one of the first things that manifested, and God himself is light. And then it says, God saw the light was good. And that is another one of those themes that in the Christian atheist we've repeated over and over again. The goodness of God, the goodness of the world was something that God created, but it wasn't that God created the goodness. It's that what God created was good and that God himself acknowledged, saw that it was good. Yeah. And in these two books, we have the absence of evil. And so it's just all good. Right. So while goodness itself, God, is uncreated, all that is created is good. And evil is the twisting of the good, Mm -hmm. the privation of good, the darkness that shadows the light. Right. And so goodness can exist without evil, Mm -hmm. but evil cannot exist without good. Right. It is parasitic. Evil is parasitic. Mm -hmm. And that's a fundamental element to understand if we're going to understand Milton's Paradise Lost. And picking up on that one point here before we move past all of book seven, Milton says this on line 375, less bright the moon 
And the reason I pick up on this is because the relation between the sexes. Mm -hmm. And I think this is interesting. Less bright the moon, but opposite in leveled west was set. His mirror, that is the sun's mirror, with full face borrowing her light from him. For other light, she needed none. And the distinction here between the different parts of creation and each part taking its proper role and place within the whole Mm -hmm. makes the goodness of everything. And apart from the structure, if we take one small part and pull it out, then we get the possibility of evil. Because everything must be properly balanced and everything must work together in the whole structure. This is that part for whole distinction yeah. we've talked about before, both in the Christian atheist and in No Compromise. But if we don't have the whole structure, we allow for the part that can create and allow the problem of evil to mm-hmm. arise. Exactly. That's interesting how he has the sun as the man and the moon as the woman. Yes. Because I always had it the other way around in my mind. But remember in Genesis, Joseph, when he has his dream, the sun and the moon bow down to him. That's right. And Jacob says to him, is your mother or father going to bow down to you? So I guess the father was the sun and the mother was the moon, huh? Okay, that's all. All right. And there is one last bit, I think, from book seven that's worth spending a little time on. And of the sixth day yet remained, there wanted yet the masterwork, the end. And the masterwork is the highest level of craftsmanship possible. And the last masterwork, the end of all yet done, a creature who not prone and brute as other creatures, but endued with sanctity of reason, Mm -hmm. might erect his stature, and upright with front serene, govern the rest, (laughs) self-knowing. And man is the crown of God's creation, the highest of the created creatures. And sometimes I think we forget that dignity. Mm -hmm. And upright with front serene, govern the rest, self-knowing. And there's that notion of being self-conscious. The sanctity of reason might erect his stature and, upright with front serene, govern the rest, self-knowing, and from thence magnanimous to correspond with heaven, Mm -hmm. but grateful to acknowledge whence his good descends. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the things that Satan fails always to recognize, that the goodness that he wants, the goodness that he claims, is always the goodness of God. Right. And he rejects that. Mm -hmm. And it is man's responsibility and man's dignity to recognize that his good comes from God, that he is a dependent being, and that his reason His rational structure is a dependent structure that rests in God and that without God, he is nothing. There's nothing, right. For in him we live, move, and have our being, but grateful to acknowledge whence his good descends, thither with heart and voice and eyes directed in devotion to adore 
and worship God supreme who made him chief of all his works. Therefore the omnipotent eternal Father, thus to his Son, audibly spake, Let us make now man in our image, man in our similitude, and let them rule. And that is amazing. Yeah. All right. So then this book ends with Raphael finishing the creation story. And he asks Adam, do you have anything else you'd like to know? And that's how the book ends. Yes. Anything you want to say about that before we move on to book eight? Just the last of Raphael's point. Yeah. Thrice happy men and sons of men, whom God hath thus advanced, created in his image, there to dwell and worship him, and in reward to rule over his works on earth, in sea, or air, and multiply a race of worshipers, holy and just. Thrice happy if they know their happiness and persevere upright. And there's the warning. It's like God has given everything to you, mm-hmm. human race. And all you have to do is persevere upright, right. obey what he has said, and everything will everything go well okay. for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, before we move on, to, let's introduce Book 8 by reading a quote from one of our listeners, from Mark Rivera. I think one of his comments really, what would you say? Encapsulates one of the messages that I think we would like to send yeah. to all of our listeners. Yeah, modern day paradise lost. Right. So Mark has been one of our most perspicacious, <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd like that word, <laughs> listeners over the last few weeks. Okay. And he entitled this response to the Christian Atheist No Compromise number 36, Paradise Found. And I'm just going to read the post. Okay. One night as I lay in bed, halfway between sleeping and waking, God gave me a feeling and a vision of how precious and loved my wife is to him. I saw at once how tiny she was as a figure in the universe, how humble and yet how sweet and precious she was to him. At the same time, I felt the awesome gift and responsibility to treat and love such a precious gem that God so loves. I couldn't take the revelation occurring in my heart and mind. I broke down and wept miserably. I, not fully understanding this till that moment, also wept for my ignorance of this, and thus failing to duly love and appreciate her. I felt I betrayed God himself in that failure, and thus said to him, Forgive me, Father, for betraying you. His answer was swift, and he said, You betray only yourself. And I can't help but think of the betrayal, the Mm self-betrayal of Satan in Paradise Lost, Mm -hmm. echoed Mm -hmm. in what Mark says here. Yep. Meaning that I only denied myself the full glory of my union with both her and him by failing to see the precious gift that I was given and the precious opportunity to experience divine love through her. And oh my goodness, listeners and Mark, those words are so dead on because in my life, experiencing the divine love through Jenny is like the most precious thing 
ever in my life. And I really, really, truly came to understand the nature of God in that way. And I think that there is no other way for human beings to experience God than through the people of God here on earth. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the fundamental ways in which it happens for everyone. Okay. So picking up Mark continues, I could see that as I gave myself completely to her, that she would return the favor. (laughs) And that's so dead on. That's exactly what happens with Mm -hmm. Jenny and I over and over again. And in the complete surrender and acceptance of one another, ascend to the heights of heaven itself. And I think that is what God intends the marital relationship to to be. Mm -hmm. And we have royally screwed it up. Well, Satan has corrupted and perverted it. Right. And we've we've failed to live up to God's vision for it. We've fallen into the trap. There's just one more phrase here from Mark. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Eden is still available today. And I I said to Mark in response to this, Mm -hmm. that if there was one message that we, you and I, Jenny, would like to send to all our listeners, it's that. Mm -hmm. Eden is still available today. We've experienced it, Mm -hmm. and you can too. But it all revolves around Christ. The beginning and Imagine if every if all married couples went back to the beginning. Yes, to Eden. To Eden, right. To the glorious union that mm-hmm. God decreed for man and woman and to be together and to be one flesh as a reflection of the divine unity of God the Father and God, God the, the Son. Son. Right. And that brings us back to book eight of Paradise Lost, where Milton is going to talk about creation of Adam and, of course, the creation of Eve as well. Yes. But before we begin, Milton opens this book by talking about astronomy again, (laughs) (laughs) and this time in the form of Adam asking questions to Raphael. And like we said, astronomy in his age would be sort of like AI in our age, I would think, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like we're on the verge of something big with artificial intelligence. Well, they were on the verge of something big back at that time, in Milton's time, because astronomy was coming into being. Anyway, so Adam is asking Raphael questions, and Eve leaves. And and just to pick up on what you just said there, Raphael says to Adam, to ask or search, I blame thee not, Mm -hmm. for heaven is as the book of God before thee set, Mm -hmm. wherein to read his wondrous works and learn. And that is the the joy of science, the joy of exploration, of trying to understand the world that God has given to us, and the joy of understanding God Mm -hmm. through his world, Mm -hmm. just as understanding God through through you, my wife. Yeah. And you you can hear Milton in this going back and forth, it seems like, in his mind about science and God mm-hmm. and trying to balance everything. Right. And he, and he gets it out in his writing. Mm-hmm. As any, and it's really beautiful, yeah, I think. as any author would. The yep. expressions that he gives us. Yeah. Because he balances that curiosity mm-hmm. with the respect for the creator. Right, because he's trying to work it out himself through mm-hmm. this. 
Okay, so they start talking, the guys start talking, Raphael and, and Adam, they start talking about science and, and Eve leaves. Now, does she leave because she doesn't understand or does she leave because she's not interested? No, Let me. <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts. She leaves because she'd rather hear the facts from Adam later. Do you remember? Yeah, she wants, she'd rather hear it. it from his mouth than from them talking. And it reminds me of you. <laughs> um, I have all kinds of articles that I save on the computer and I send them to you because I'd rather hear you read them to me than read them myself. And, and this is almost in contrast mm -hmm. to last week when we read the accounts of Milton talking about Eve seeing herself mm -hmm. and saying, oh, that's far more beautiful than this, this creature, Adam. And mm -hmm. you said, eh, he's not getting it here. Yeah. But in this case, yeah. you yeah. read it and said, ooh, he really nailed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd rather hear it from me mm -hmm. than from an angel from heaven. Exactly. And I don't really get that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I do love how very much you seem to enjoy interacting with me over content. Oh, yeah. And for me, your input gives me such insight into the things that I'm reading and understanding mm -hmm. that everything I share with you, all the things that we read together, make my understanding so much better and bring me such joy, ecstasy in sharing things with you that I understand, even though I don't quite get why you enjoy so much <laughs> it with me, but it is fascinating how somehow or other Milton managed to see that. And I understand what all the big words mean then, too. <laughs> My vocabulary is, is rather ponderous. I recognize no, that. No, I'll say what Eva says in this part. The conjugal caresses that might interrupt things. <laughs> yes, I enjoy the conjugal caresses too. <laughs> why don't you read why don't you read that part? Okay. So spake our sire, and by his countenance seemed entering on studious thoughts abstruse. And I think this is funny because you read me better than anyone else mm -hmm. in the world. And you know when I'm about to sort of <laughs> launch into these abstruse thoughts better than anyone else yeah. does, and you sometimes <laughs> kick me when I'm about to talk to somebody else. <laughs> Which Eve perceiving, where she sat retired in sight, with lowliness majestic from her seat, and grace that one who saw to wish her stay, rose and went forth among her fruits and flowers. Yet went she not, as not with such discourse delighted, or not capable her ear of what was high. And this is one of those points where we yeah. talked about last time. Milton does not make the point that Eve is in some way inferior, inferior to Adam. Rather, he says that she's different and they're complementary right. with right. one another. And she does her own thing. Right. Mm -hmm. She went not with such discourse delighted as not capable her ear of what was high. Such pleasure she reserved Adam relating. She, sole auditress, that is, she wants to share that with him, right. that intimacy. Her husband, the relator, she preferred before the angel, and of him to ask, chose rather. He, she knew, would intermix grateful digressions and solve high dispute with conjugal caresses. 
from his lip, not words alone, pleased her. And then Milton adds this little paraphrase. Oh, when meet now such pairs in love and mutual honor joined. Mm-hmm. And that is our lament. Yeah. Right? Yep. That the joy of true oneness in Christian marriage right. is so rare mm-hmm. in today's world. Yeah. We're taught to be individuals and, and each go their own way. Strive for your individuality. Right. Mm-hmm. And the man goes one way. The woman goes another way, and they're not one. Right, exactly. They're multiple, and that is a tragedy. It is. It really is. A tragedy that I don't know how to solve Mm -hmm. other than to point to Christ and hope that somehow or other that is sufficient to heal Mm -hmm. the marriages out there. That's right. Because I don't know of very many that are good. Mm -hmm. I really don't, and that's a shame. Some. I mean, your parents, even though they weren't Christians, mm-hmm. seem to have it. Yeah. yeah. Um, my parents a little less, but there are some few out there that we look to and we say, wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Ron- Ronald and Nancy Reagan oh, yeah. seem to have that's that right. sort of really powerful relationship. That's right. Mm-hmm. But there aren't many of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so at this point, Raphael, he wants to hear Adam's story of his creation because he had not been present during Adam's creation. He was on an errand for God. He was checking the gates of hell. And so now Adam relates his story and it pretty much parallels with Genesis, except again, it has more personal thoughts from Adam and it discusses their relationship. Okay. So Raphael expresses interest in Adam's perspective on his own creation. Mm And Adam picks up and says this, As new waked from soundest sleep, soft on the flowery herb I found me laid in balmy sweat. So Adam tells Raphael, he woke and found himself a rational soul. Upright, stood on my feet. About me round I saw hill, dale, and shady woods, and sunny plains, and liquid laps of murmuring streams. So Adam wakes to find himself a rational creature in the midst of the goodness of creation that God has given him. But who I was, or where, or from what cause, knew not. To speak, I tried, and forthwith spake. And here again, we find Adam recognizing himself as a rational soul, and as such, searching out the causal nature of the world, and saying, where did I come from? Not of myself, he said, by some great maker, then, in goodness and in power preeminent. So she's in contradiction to Satan. Right. Up to this point. Because Satan talks about himself, Mm -hmm. generating himself. But Adam recognizing the evident reality of the world around him. And we talk about the evident evidence in faith. Mm -hmm, Exactly. This is Adam recognizing that he could not have made himself, but that he found himself a rational being, and that therefore the evidence points him to a creator. Exactly. Who is good. Yeah, the Bible says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, 
and the sheep of his pasture. That's Psalm 100, verse 3. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm, that's fantastic. That is so beautiful. Right. And so dead on. And so contrary to Satan up until this right. point. It's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And these are those two visions mm-hmm. that we've talked about before. The right. way of Cain and the way of Abel. That's right. have been saying that through the Christian atheists. From, from the very beginning. Yep. Of the Christian atheists. Ever since you came back to God, you've been saying that. Yes, that there are two fundamental visions of the world. Mm -hmm. And Adam says here, Mm -hmm. in goodness and in power preeminent, tell me, how may I know him? How adore from whom I have that thus I move and live? Mm -hmm. And there's that fundamental faith we've talked about before, that idea that God is good. He's made us in this good world, surrounded us with all of these good things, and given us life. And that's the fundamental starting point. That's right. We either start there, or we reject it and say, this is not good. And that is the way of Cain. Mm -hmm. And the way of Cain takes us to nihilism and destruction, and all that Satan's lies bring us to. And with uh, what Milton had just said, for in him we live and move and have our our being. being. Yes. As certain also of our own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. That's Acts 17, 28. And then there is a theophany for Adam Mm -hmm. because the divine presence shows up. So actually, this is kind of like Christ coming into the garden. And I can't help but think of the... The song, the Cat Stevens song. (laughs) Morning has broken. Morning has broken. Yeah. Right? Sweet the rain's new fall, sunlit from heaven, like the first dewfall on the first grass. Praise for the sweetness of the wet garden, sprung in completeness where his feet pass. And the divine presence stirs our hearts, as Milton says here. So it says, presence divine, rejoicing, but with all. In adoration, at his feet, I fell. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know that the feet means a lot oh, to yeah. me. Oh, yeah. Right? And the falling of the feet in the garden. And I think of, like, in C.S. Lewis, the feet falls of Aslan and the beauty mm-hmm. of the garden and all that comes from and Christ's the, presence. And the footprint. In the Just footprint, a, yes, the water, the, well, the water of life. footprint, and right. it's filled with, yeah, it's right. filled with water. So, in adoration, at his feet I fell, submiss. He reared me, and whom thou soughtest, I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that just sends a thrill through my soul, mm-hmm. because it's the I am of Moses. Right. The being, the fundamental reality of God. And even the I um, am of Jesus. Said mildly, author of all this thou seest. Mm -hmm. And that privilege that Adam had to correspond face to face with the pre-incarnate son of God was just so amazing and beautiful. And to have given that up. I think is the truly great tragedy mm-hmm. of the fall right. that we right. human beings have experienced. Exactly. The distance from God that resulted. Mm-hmm. Think of that song in the garden. Remember the old song, the old Christian hymn? What's in the that? garden, I come to the garden alone while the oh, dew yes. is still on the roses. Yeah. And he walks with me and he talks, talks with, with me. me. 
and he tells me I am his own. own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. So now Adam relates from his point of view the creation of Eve. And he goes through the animals, names mm-hmm. them all, mm-hmm. and says to the theophany mm-hmm. in the garden, all of this is wonderful, mm-hmm. but I feel like I'm missing something really important. (laughs) And it's interesting that Milton does this, the way that he does this. Yeah, it is. But it's almost like God is playing a game Mm -hmm. with Adam. Yeah. Because he knows he needs something more. He knows he is alone and that he needs And he knows what he's going to do, He knows specifically what he's going to do. Sort of like a parent with their child on a Christmas present. (laughs) You know, you play a little game with them just because it delights you and it delights them. Right. And then you surprise them. Right. (laughs) So Adam says, of fellowship, I speak. Mm -hmm. Such as I seek, fit to participate, all rational delight. And so he's gone through all of the creation Mm -hmm. and all of the animals. And he says, but I'm missing the sort of thing that I need. Another rational creature like myself with whom I can share all of life's bliss and struggle. It was kind of a lesson to Adam. You know, Adam got to see it for himself. You're not going to find satisfaction in nature. And God says to him, Adam, I was pleased and find thee knowing not of beasts alone, which thou hast rightly named, but of thyself. Mm -hmm. And so this self-knowledge that God recognizes in Adam, that he is Lacking something important Mm -hmm. is something that God celebrates. Expressing well the spirit within thee free. My image, because God himself desires that intimacy Mm -hmm. with another, not imparted to the brute. I knew it, he says, not good for man to be alone. What next I bring thee shall please thee, be assured, thy likeness. Thy fit help, thy other self, thy wish exactly to thy heart's desire. And this makes me shiver inside because all of my life I wished for you. And then you came to me. It's exactly like this creation story. God knew in advance what it was I needed. And when the time was right, he made it happen. Right. And that's and I, the important thing at the fullness of time. In the fullness of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is so dead on. Mm-hmm. In the fullness of time, God sent forth right. what was necessary. So God performs the magic mm-hmm. and takes from Adam the rib, forms Eve, and Adam sees in some sort of a trance Eve being formed. Yeah. And when he awakes and finds her, He is absolutely bowled over by her presence, her reality. Grace was in all her steps, heaven in her eye, in every gesture, dignity, and love. I, overjoyed, could not forbear aloud. And you tell me oftentimes that I'm loud, right? (laughs) (laughs) That I can't keep quiet. (laughs) And when I'm excited about things, I do tend to be Mm -hmm. rather enthusiastic. You are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think I understand Adam's enthusiasm. No matter what your emotions are usually (laughs) loud. (laughs) 
this turn hath made amends. Thou hast fulfilled thy words, creator bounteous and benign. That right, he sees Eve and he's like, this is the greatest thing ever. Giver of all things fair, but fairest this of all thy gifts, nor enviest I now see bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, my self, my mirror. Mm-hmm. The looking glass that we talked about all the way back at the very beginning of the Christian atheist. You are my looking glass before me. Woman is her name, of man extracted. For this cause he shall forego father and mother, and to his wife adhere. And they shall be one flesh, one heart, one soul. And to have Mm. experienced that. Mm -hmm once in this life is the most transcendent thing I have ever experienced in my entire existence as a 53-year-old man. Except you're 56 and a half. Okay, so I'm older. <laughs> That's right, I'm 53. I'm 53 when I married you, wasn't I? <laughs> okay, but then the last three and a half years have been absolutely beautiful. And then Eve's response, she heard me thus. And though divinely brought, yet innocence and virgin modesty her virtue, and the conscience of her worth, that would be wooed, and not unsought, Mm -hmm. be one, the more desirable, or, to say all, nature herself, though pure of sinful thought, wrought in her so, that seeing me, she turned, I followed her. She what was honor knew and with obsequious majesty approved my pleaded reason. And that's that whole Mm -hmm. process of pursuit. Yep, exactly. And I loved pursuing you. I still love pursuing you, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth Um, Elliot talks about that in male and female relationships. Yep. Yeah, that's where I first heard it. And then it says, and brought my story to the sum of, of earthly bliss, Mm -hmm. which I enjoy. Here, passion first I felt. Commotion strange. And he's talking here, of course, to Raphael. He's telling him his own experience. Adam Adam is speaking to Raphael. In all enjoyments else, superior and unmoved. Here only, weak against the charm of beauty's powerful glance, or nature failed in me. Yet when I approach her loveliness, so absolute she seems, and in herself complete, so well to know her own, that what she wills to do or say seems wisest, virtuousest, discreetest, best. All higher knowledge in her presence falls degraded. Wisdom in discourse with her loses discountenanced, and like folly shows, authority and reason on her weight, as one intended first, not after made occasionally, and to consummate all greatness of mind and nobleness their seat, build in her loveliest, and create an awe about her, as a guard angelic placed. And that is both the beauty, the dignity, and the absolute astonishment of love. Mm -hmm. 
and the danger as well. Yeah, <laughs> which we'll find in book nine. Because as I have told you over and over again, I would kill for you. Mm-hmm. And you are, without a doubt, my kryptonite, mm-hmm. my weakness. And I know that my love for you is so powerful, so strong, that it can lead me astray. Mm-hmm. And, and you know that too. I was going to say, and as a woman, I realize that I know that power and I have to. And in that, I, I rest. have to do my, I yeah. have to do my part. And I know that mm-hmm. I feel that weakness. Right. Do and we, I trust to, you. To hold back from manipulation. Yes. I trust you things. to have my best interest at heart right. as I have yours. Exactly. Because I know my weakness. Mm-hmm. It's a that. balance. It's and definitely it a balance. A balance. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when you talk about the patriarchy. Yes. <laughs> There's great power in the, the wifearchy. <laughs> there is amazing power in the feminine. Right. And it is very seldom. Mm-hmm granted the true power that it has in our world Mm -hmm. and it too can become overbalanced and tyrannous and it has become that in our present world so raphael warns adam that his love for eve Mm -hmm. can be excessive and problematic right accuse not nature she hath done her part do thou but thine and be not diffident of wisdom She deserts thee not, if thou dismiss her not, when most thou needest her nigh. With honor thou mayest love thy mate, who sees when thou art seen least wise. And there's the wisdom of the wife, recognizing when the man is not doing what he should. Mm -hmm. Right There's the mirror. Yep, that's where I say to you, come home to your castle. Yes. And in the privacy of your castle is where you realize you're just a little boy. (laughs) You need help. (laughs) Then you can pretend and go back out again and pretend that you're a big man and do do your thing, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So Raphael warns Adam that over-loving his wife can cause him problems. He needs to be the leader. Right, exactly. And that's not always the easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. And Adam acknowledges that possibility. Mm-hmm. And so in the whole scheme of things, in this whole poem, you just have this balancing Back and of forth. the man and the woman, the man yep. and the woman. And I, I love what Adam says to Raphael here, sort of trying to redeem himself as to what it is that he loves so much about his wife. Mm-hmm. So much delights me as those graceful acts. So it's not just the physical, Mm -hmm. he says. As those graceful acts, those thousand decencies that daily flow from all her words and actions mixed with love and sweet compliance, which declare unfeigned union of mind or in us both one soul. And I do love all about you, including the body. But all of the rest of those things are really the proof of love. Right, exactly. To love thou blamest me not, for love, thou sayest, leads up to heaven, is both the way and guide. And I love those words that Adam says to justify himself, really, before Raphael. 
Right. And that's kind of how book eight ends. ends. Right. At one point, Adam asks Raphael about the expression of love between angels. Yes, it's kind of an interesting thing. <laughs> and it seems like Raphael gets a little embarrassed. <laughs> he, he, his, his face grows rosy. Yes, right? that's exactly right. And he says that angels do express their love, except since they don't have flesh and bone, they can wholly unite with one, one another. Embracing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And then Raphael says, okay, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> and as you said, he warns he warns Adam to love God more and be obedient to God. That was right. the main point of all his message is be obedient to God because evil is coming into the garden. And remember yeah. the structure of the hierarchy mm-hmm. and don't fall prey to allowing your wife to lead you astray. I mean, it's like it's a direct warning right. about what's about to happen. Yep. And still, and still it happens. fall right. occurs. Right. And I know in my own life, it's not when I have sinned, when I've fallen into sin, it's not because I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's because for some reason, some stupid reason, I chose to do it. Right, right. I didn't listen. Right. And it's that same failure over mm-hmm. and over again. Right. We know what we're not supposed to do. Right. And yet we choose to do it. Okay. So if you haven't started reading it for yourself, you might want to squeeze it in through our audio version where John reads Paradise Lost without commentary on YouTube, on our podcast, but also on YouTube. And if you do listen to it on YouTube, which is where we recommend you listen to it, we have it in a playlist all in order. And you have the link in the description? Sure do. Right. Okay. And if you are listening on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, we'd love for you to subscribe. And be sure to listen on Monday to The Christian Atheist, where you're going to discuss, what, just book nine, right? Book nine coming up, okay. yes. And that's the big one, because... This is the one. It's the actual <laughs> The one fall. we've been waiting for, yeah. Right. It's, it's what is... everything has been building to. Mm-hmm. And then books 10 and 11 and 12 are just the sort of the playing out right, right. of the fall. Yeah, the future. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then on Thursday, we're going to discuss book nine and the fall. So be sure to tune in next Thursday on No Compromise. Okay, so thank you for joining us, and we hope you're having a great week. If you haven't got yep. our first book That's and right. you're interested, please go to Amazon.com and look up. <laughs> go to Amazon. That's the cool way to say it. Say go to Amazon and look up. <laughs> look up. John Wise, Through the Looking Glass, The Imploding of an Atheist Professor's Professor's Worldview. You can just put in John Wise, Through the Looking Glass. That comes up too right away. And as always, if you want to buy us a cup of coffee, you can do so in the link in the description. Well, see you all next week. God bless. I love you. I love you, John. I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason. Respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.